we all could take a lesson in that one that just makes you a better brewer. You, you gotta always want it to be better and don't be afraid to let it go. All right, welcome back to Tap That AZ. I'm your host, Eric Walters. I'm in Tempe at Pedal House Brewery, joined by Doc Osborne, famed uh, brewer extraordinaire, beer Hello. lover, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I love beer. <laughs> awesome. Let's tap into Pedal House Brewery. Doc, thanks for joining me, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited. I know uh, before we started here, you gave me a tour of the facility back here. So this whole place is amazing. I love this place. It's big. It's huge, yeah. <laughs> we have a lot of parties here at the same time. Yeah, individual parties. Yeah, yeah. People rent out. They want to rent out the beer garden yeah. on a Friday night. We could still operate business with yeah. the rest of the place. So that's a good point. Yeah, and you guys were open for so you've been here from the beginning, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And you said that uh, you had a kind of your idea of when when so well let's let's go back a little bit. So you've been in the beer business for for quite a while, right? A little over twenty years. A little over twenty. Yeah. I was a chiropractor before that. Just made beer at home. Really? Decided I'd rather make beer. Why? <laughs> I, well, just like anybody who's homebrewed, you kind of get a bug and you can't do anything but homebrew. And all you're thinking about is going home to make your next batch. So I wanted to invent things that had already been invented and uh, try and impress people that weren't impressed. And eventually just decided this is more fun. Yeah. How long did you do that? How long were you a chiropractor? Uh, so I went through school. Uh, I graduated in 96, uh, right about the time I started uh, apprenticing at BJ's when they opened their first brewery. I just kind of, well, long story short, I moved to California because I wanted to open a uh, chiropractic practice in California next to a building I eventually wanted to buy to put a brewery in. So you had a plan for it. Like you already, it was... Yeah. BJ's bought that building and put a brewery in it. So I, I just knocked on the door and said, can I come in and help out on the weekends? And I ended up doing more and more and more and less golfing and less chiropractic. And next thing you know, 20 years went by and I'm, man, I'm still doing this. So became an obsession kind of, yeah, I've, uh, I've heard a lot of people that's like not a passion, like oh, I'm passionate about brewing. I'm like, I'm obsessed with, with this. Yep. That's yeah. a good way to describe it. Um, <laughs> I think my parents would describe it that way too. Luckily my wife's also a brewer, so she understands Really? Where, where yeah. does she brew? She brews at Four Peaks. Oh, no way. Yeah, she's been there. She started working for me quite, uh, well, 15 years ago almost. Uh, and then when she left to go to Four Peaks, we remained friends and started dating. Next thing you know, we're getting married and buying a house. So. Wow. Did you guys get married in a brewery? No. Uh, <laughs> we got married in the backyard. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we just bought a house. So three weeks later, we're like, let's get this thing fixed up and it right in the backyard so nice i'm sure you guys had good beer though right yeah uh the beer distributors took care of us yeah. I, I got a call one day from a friend at a distributor said i need you to swing by the place we got a, a gift for you i'm thinking bottle of whiskey or something I, I brought my truck luckily he loaded it up we had chimay guinness sierra nevada uh, all kinds of just an assortment of all kinds of beer plus each of our brewery had beer and we we uh, brewed uh, uh collaboration beer together uh I had the alt ball and chain and the, uh, we had a, uh, a Hellas that we called what the hell is he thinking? <laughs> so we awesome. revealed those for her wedding. <laughs> the alt ball and chain. Yeah. That's pretty That's awesome. That's what she brewed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was instead of exchanging vows, you guys exchanged. 
beers. Beer, basically, that's, yeah. That's pretty badass. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. So um, so you started at, at BJ's, you said apprenticeship. You said it was their first, like the, the original? Uh, the first brewery. The first brewery. Brea, California. Okay. Meaning what? Like, were they open before then? Uh, uh, yeah, BJ's in 1978. Is, they've been around a long time. Smaller oh. uh, smaller uh, places that a lot of people used to take their soccer teams to afterwards. Okay. Uh, and then they grew. They went public. Their stock in 96 grew and opened these great breweries. So. Yeah, and you've been there. You were there from the, from the start as far as the brewing aspect of it. From brewing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was low guy in the totem pole, but in the beginning. Yeah. So worked my way up. To where, like, so before you came here, you were, you were the... I was director of brewing ops yeah. for them. Still had bosses, but yeah, yeah they, they trusted me after a couple decades. <laughs> nice. And so that expanded, right? There's, I mean, what is there? There's well over a hundred at this point, right? BJ's? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Safe to say. I wouldn't necessarily comment on everything they do, but yeah. uh, they, they're a great company. That's yeah. one thing for sure. I could say a great company that takes care of their people. Nice, nice. So, what? So, how did the transition from them to to this happen? Well, Julian approached me. Uh, it came pretty fast. I was not looking to leave. I just uh, he he approached me one day. A friend, mutual friend, introduced us, and he had questions because he was opening a brewery in Tempe. And I've had a lot of people approach me with questions and just took it as another, like, sure, pal. You know, we'll see when that happens. <laughs> uh, so he started talking. He said he already purchased equipment he already purchased land so i started taking him serious and i just offered advice you know i can't take on a consulting gig if i'm working somewhere else but i can give away free advice on the weekends and a couple conversations turned into i don't have a brewery yet and i need you and i, I still laughed it off i'm like yeah right <laughs> i'm not gonna be able to afford me and then i i saw the plans and how much money they're putting into this and i got interested real quick so yeah so do you think was that his his goal from the beginning was like i'm just gonna ask you a few questions leading up to, to him asking you or you think it just it blossomed from I think it moment. just worked he didn't know me I didn't know him so okay. he probably kind of the same opinion of me like you know another brewer yeah but it just we we had good chemistry so we yeah. talked a little more and it worked out yeah, yeah. nice so you um you were t- giving me a tour in the back and so as far as like the design of the brewing facility back there you had a lot of input in that right yeah, yeah. so Julian had already hired a consultant uh, who designed a brewery and it was a big basic brewery, but I kind of came in and revamped things to fit more of our needs and also uh, cut some costs and then use that money and spend it elsewhere where we could use it to our advantage. So, yeah. Unfortunately for the uh, manufacturer, less money in their pocket, but more money for us to use elsewhere. Yeah, poor, <laughs> poor manufacturer, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, the way you said that everything, you were, you were kind of guiding me around, and um, it's interesting the way that it's designed, too, because you're, you're also looking at the efficiency of energy back there, too. Yeah, so we used to have uh, multiple tanks with steam jackets. Uh, that was a kettle and a mash tun with steam jackets. Uh, and I took the... Uh, I got rid of the mash tun and created a louder tun, and then I used the kettle as a mash tun. So I have a mash mixer agitators in my kettle, uh, which is so, unusual, right? That's yeah. Well, that's that's the way they do it in Europe, pretty okay. much everywhere. So that was my inspiration to be able to make loggers and do more of the stuff like that. And I added. I don't know if you saw inside. There's a token piece of copper in there. So I didn't see that. No, a little bit of copper goes a long way to help clean up the beer flavor anywhere in your really? process. But it, uh, I put it in the kettle. So why? Uh, what does the copper do? It scrubs sulfurs a little bit. Uh, also, uh, the zinc in it is very nutritious for yeast. Uh, so uh, that is, in Germany, they can't add yeast nutrients. They have to use the four ingredients. And, ingredients yeah. But if you brew in copper, your beer ferments really nicely. So 
Uh, it doesn't take much copper. Uh, just anywhere in there, a piece of pipe, if you transfer between one tank to another through copper, it'll it'll pick up what you need. Roll of pennies or something like that. Just throw that in there with the beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it works similar in the distilleries. I uh, the copper stills have a different flavor than stainless ones or glass. Uh, I, I used to use a glass still back in the lab and. Uh, you can make some clean vodka, but it does not taste the same as coming out of copper. So Interesting. I always wonder that about because uh, uh, we've done interviews with a couple uh, distilleries and it's always copper. It's the copper stills. I'm like, is it just because it looks cool? But there's science behind it. And it looks cool. And it does look cool. Yeah. 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 At BJ's, we did copper clad. So it was just copper skin on the outside of our tanks, stainless okay. on the inside. But uh, And it's hard to clean when you get chemicals on it. it oh, really? It doesn't stay polished. but. Yeah. Uh, if you get copper on the inside, it's actually a good thing. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So, um, so you designed, and, and you were telling me about the uh, the steam, right? The yeah. Out, what's that? Yeah. So we did less less tanks with steam, and then on that tank, uh, the one tank with steam, we have a, uh, a heat exchanger on the kettle exhaust. Instead of putting the steam out in the environment, we figure Arizona's hot enough already, and we paid for that energy to create the steam. Let's collect it. So we run that through a heat exchanger and recirculate that heat back through our uh, our hot liquor tank, which is our hot water tank for the next batch. So it does not take us any energy to heat up water to brew a batch. It's already collected out of that steam from our previous. Uh, we just need the energy to maintain it. If it's over the weekend, it'll kick on occasionally just to keep it maintained. Just to kind of that, it's almost like a reserve type of thing. Yeah, and we use reverse osmosis. So we it takes a while to make the water. We can't, uh, we can't just get it on demand and heat it up, which also would be inefficient. Yeah, so. okay. So the original, when you originally designed it, is it is what did that stay the same? Like because you guys were open for about ten months, then I remember you shut down for a few months to, to house is the same. this. Okay. Yeah, we yeah. just took more space for the brewery. We uh, got we we had a lot of tables here, and on a Friday night when we were busy uh, with all the fancy food we had, um, people were wondering why they were waiting so long for food. We ah. realized. Uh, you know, we could have the tables remaining empty or we can just take away some tables. And that was one of the advantages. The brewery was going very well for us. Uh, and we decided to take more space for the brewery. And it created a balance for the rest of the restaurant to be able to function a little easier. Yeah. Plus, we have more compartmentalized spaces now that you can use for the private parties without interfering with the other parties. Yeah, that's a really good point because you look around and there's so many different like sections right like each place almost looks like it's a it's a completely different place right right in there where there's the there's the bar do you have names did, did you guys name them yeah we got the uh the lounge uh and this is the brewery bar so lounge bar brewery bar uh got the fire pits out there which you can also rent out and they seat quite a few people uh in each one then we have the stage area uh we have uh i don't know if you've been out there seen the cornhole and the ping pong tables i walked past it i haven't gone seen it up close so it looks awesome yeah, it's pretty nice and you can uh like with a live band you can still be up there playing uh, cornhole but we usually put the band where the ping pong tables are at so okay. i kind of exclude that uh there's a beer garden out there yeah obviously so a lot of different places to, to eat and enjoy different stuff also the private dining room right behind you which i I like to call the Jesus room because it looks kind of like the Last Supper room. It does, yeah. It's all encased in glass, so people can use that for business meetings. They can shut the door, and uh, there's a TV they can plug their computer into and do presentations. Nice. And drink our beer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Makes the meetings a little more tolerable. It definitely does, yeah. Yeah, I think it should be a necessity at any type of business meeting. Yeah, yeah. Then you get to know the people you work with a little bit better, too. Like, uh, okay, yeah. I knew there was something off about that guy. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's the, si the silo. Is that a, is that? Yes. That's awesome. 
So um, this came at the remodel. Julian really wanted to. We had the silo we built. Uh, I was I actually built that silo out there myself. Oh, did we you ordered really? it and came on a couple pallets. So built it on its side, and then we had someone help us tilt it up. Uh, so he decided he really likes it, but it's hidden in the back. He wants a really big silo so people from Mill Avenue can see there's a brewery back here. And that was we're kind of off Mill Avenue. So he built that giant. I think that's a 24 foot diameter grain silo uh that's designed for uh feed and we we had it built and raised it up so we can put dining room tables underneath it's got some pretty cool acoustics in there too oh i bet yeah and in arizona when it we have a light rain it's usually still pretty nice out you can stay dry and be outdoors that's a good point cools it down and yeah you could have some like acoustic shows in there do some live uh, i've never seen that yet but that's a great idea uh, <laughs> right. just if you if we were doing this podcast from in there it's yeah. a different sound we uh, you would we hear everything we say much better it's like a big bowl interesting in there. wow i'm gonna have to go sit in there and just kind of hum meditate for a little bit you know <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the because i was here one other time um, before the the remodel and this is open like before you kind of had that back wall where everything was kind of closed off mm-hmm. there was a little bit open on that side but this is like just it's beautiful yeah i love it yeah it's got a really cool feel i got to give all the credit to julian Wright. he um he has his vision in his head and he goes for it yeah. whatever it takes he doesn't worry about it he just goes for his dreams and uh, a year later he decided he wants to improve it and he did it again yeah. it's a courage that's a bolt yeah i was gonna say that takes balls to do yeah. like say hey we're it's, gonna because i was wondering like what happened like they shut down like that place was place was great then did a little research like i'll oh, doing a redesign I'm like okay yeah it's uh it's we're better for it now at first it seemed odd because we were new we needed to work out some bugs but uh, i always my traditional thought process is let's let's max this thing out before we decide to improve it uh but he said no no when we're maxed out we don't want to shut down to improve it uh-huh. let's do it now he, he knew what he wanted and said let's just do it yeah so we also added the pizza oven there which uh you see cruz over there he's a master at the pizza oven so He's concentrating right now. Like he's got, he's got yeah, the he, eye. Yeah. Probably make some badass pizza though. Yeah, he's making bread right now for ah. chicken sandwiches. Nice. So, um, Julian, he's had his hand in quite a few projects here in Phoenix, right? He sure has. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's, he's opened quite a few bars from New Mexico, California, uh, Hanna Bar, uh, right. That's next, right down the street, right? Yeah, right across there. Great, great place to drink beer. Uh, La Boca, Modern Margarita. Uh, Modern Margarita, okay. Yeah, yeah, Gringo Star. There's been a few others that I don't even know about that yeah. he, he's done his thing. He, he pretty much sold most of them to do this. So this is his this is his baby at this point. Right now it is. Yeah, he's working on some other stuff. <laughs> really? You, you can't get him to sit still. He's <laughs> that's what he does. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, I'm gonna have to come back on a follow up and, and we'll get him involved too. So yeah. Yeah. So um, you guys make beer here, right? Yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, what do we got here? So I think I've got, was that eight? Judging by the uh, looks here, the first one is our light lager, okay. which uh, is not carbonated yet because it came right out of our, we just filtered it and we're carbonated as we speak. Uh, it smells really good. So this was, this is award winning. This is an award winning lager. Yeah. So this is another one. Julian really pushed for it. Uh, he wanted a light beer and, uh, Originally, we didn't think we'd want a light beer, but we, uh, we've we been uh, selling so much Coors Light in bottles here. You know, people oh, come into the brewery, and they, it's a big place, so you're going to get all kinds of people, and they want yeah. a Coors Light, and we decided, you know, let's take a light beer, and it took off. It, it did well. We um, uh, 
released our first batch about this time last year, and we entered it in the Los Angeles International Beer Competition last spring, and it won the gold. So we we're pretty happy to beat, beat Bud Miller Coors guys. So those those they're in those competitions as well. I believe so. One of the competitions it also won at the North American Beer Awards, which is also international, and Coors Light took a bronze in one of those. So we knew they were in it, but uh, okay. uh, yeah, uh, and then. The big competition of the year was the Great American Beer Fest. We took a silver in there, and we were shocked. I wasn't even there. I went up to judge, and then I came home right after judging and got all these texts the next morning. Congratulations. I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I did not expect that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's really good, and that was a good point, too, because I know you guys are, like, the official uh, viewing location of um, ASU away games, right? Something like that. Herber. Yeah, it seems like all of ASU is here. All of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it well, gets pretty crowded during game days, too. Yeah. Uh, when it's home game. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, well, it's perfect. Yeah, you got TVs everywhere. and It's a really yeah. good time of year to be out on this patio. So. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's there's a lot of great patios around Tempe, but I think we're the, we're the closest to the stadium that can hold this many people. Yeah, yeah. And, well... And that's interesting, too, because you get a wide range of people. And I think it was kind of the concept when you guys opened, right, was to – it wasn't just a matter of, like, Imperial Stouts and the double IPAs, like the the the, um, the hardcore beer people. You guys wanted to bring them in, but you also wanted to bring in other yeah. people, too, right? Yeah, Julian, uh, one of the things that intrigued me when he approached me was he wants to do more of a uh, European bistro. Now, if you remember, before the remodel, it looked very European. I mean, a zinc bar top right here and – open with a lot of tables uh and it, it was fun uh but the idea was let's do uh belgian ales let's do saisons let's do the german lagers and i was i've been brewing ales for so long and some lagers and lagers were not things i'm really comfortable with and okay. i was i like the challenge so yeah. let's try it so yeah. i've been learning i'm still learning but uh so all the early years good. all the early years there wasn't much lagering not much. Once yeah. a year, we do the Oktoberfest and uh, Bach occasionally, but uh, Pilsner once in a while. But we just did it based upon, it's kind of like reading a recipe in a cookbook. We just did what we were told. And, uh, but there were some smarter people than me at BJ's that had experience with lagers. Uh, but for me, that was something I really wanted to make better than I was. So this was a great challenge coming here. Well, they're, cha- they're more challenging, too. You were telling me that like the, making the lagers, it's, it's, a, it's different. Yeah. yeah, yeah, quite a bit. Not just the temperature fermentation, but the uh, the different flavors that can be produced throughout each process. Uh, in the beginning phases of uh, when, you, when you first put the yeast in the beer and you're aerating it with oxygen, the yeast wants to reproduce. And when it reproduces, it produces all the, uh, the esters and uh, compounds that some of which make the character of the beer. Others are just intermediate in there. That it's called green beer at that point, and you want the yeast to reabsorb it and not be in there. So, with a lager, you're suppressing a lot of those fruity complexes. So you're making them uh, cleaner beer in theory, but you're still producing a lot of uh, things that are stress on the yeast, the acetaldehyde, the uh, ketones like diacetyl and such. Those are all produced in the beginning. When the yeast runs out of sugar, it looks for those things as energy sources to stay alive, and it tries to pull it back. So you have to, by starting it off cold, you suppress the production of a lot of that stuff, but then you allow it to raise up or at least finish with a very healthy yeast. You can repitch fresh yeast or whatever. Similar to an ale, but uh, more importantly in a lager, uh, it takes a lot longer to get that stuff back out of the beer to where it tastes like something that isn't uh, 
I don't know, sometimes I describe young lagers as a uh, green apple dipped in a multivitamin powder. It's kind of kind of what they taste like until they're ready. <laughs> Doesn't sound real appealing, so that makes sense why you let it sit a little bit longer, right? Yeah. Yeah. That could be that could be something you could jump on though as far as a trend, right? The, the green apple vitamin beer. Yeah, we could do the green apple vitamin beer and just, it sounds good, maybe dipped in some mustard. Yeah. So we'll add some mustard to the beer. There you go. Um, so, and that's why a lot of people steer away from them. It takes up that real estate. It takes just longer. It and yeah. It takes longer. And yeah, if you, it, it's totally normal in the beer industry to dump beer that you're not happy with. It's way better than selling it uh, or trying to pass it off. And a lot of, most brewers don't do that enough. Uh, but like dump, dump Yeah, it let so. the beer go. If you think you can do a better job, don't, don't serve it. Yeah. Uh, I think um, we all could take a lesson in that one. That just makes you a better brewery. You, you gotta always want it to be better, and don't be afraid to let it go. But loggers, you're invested for a lot longer before you figure that out, uh, <laughs> and you're gonna be a lot longer before you correct it. So yeah. uh, we did that our first year open. We did a Doppelbach, uh, and it did. I, my inexperience with loggers is what I would blame, but I had some flavors that I could not get rid of. Uh, Ethyl hexanoate, which is a kind of a red, delicious apple. Okay. Normal in a amber ale, uh, in background amounts, but in a lager, it should never be there. And I just, just didn't like it, so we dumped it. And this year was the first year I brewed it again. So and it came out great. We just put it on tap recently, so we'll taste that in a little bit. Nice. That one's over there, looking over my shoulder, like whispering, like, "Hey, <laughs> over here." <laughs> so, well, what do we got next here? Uh, after the light lager, we have our Kolsch. Okay. Uh, both of these are gluten reduced as well. We, uh, we use an enzyme that takes the uh, haze and the gluten out of the beer. Uh, we can't say gluten free, but it is tested to below 10 parts per billion, okay. 10 parts per million. And that's the lowest the test will even show on the ELISA test. So, uh, we don't make any health claims if you're celiac for me personally, I wouldn't, Yeah, I'd just stick with cider if yeah. I was, but, uh, someone who's just looking to be more concerned about the gluten in their diet. They're probably going to be safe with this stuff. Kolsch, now is a Kolsch ale or a lager? Yeah, depends on who you ask. Uh, by definition, I, I think Eric Warner is the gentleman that wrote the book on Kolsch, and I think he says it's an ale. Okay. By definition, it's um, some people say it's a hybrid. It, it is brewed colder um, to suppress a lot of those flavors. Kolsch has a, a unique flavor in itself because of the way they ferment it in a okay. hybrid way. It's usually started a little cooler and fermented a little warmer at the end. And, uh, for me, it's just about keeping it clean, yeah. uh, and it's got a little bit of wheat in it. Uh, you really, uh, technically, you're not supposed to call it a Kolsch unless your brewery is in within the line of sight of the uh, church in Köln, the big dome church. So really, we can call it Kolsch style. Kolsch style, okay, hyphenated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it tastes like a lager. Like I, th- I think that it, I think that it would taste more similar to a lager than it would an ale. We ferment yeah. it cold. Okay, yeah, gotcha. we definitely ferment it cold here. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, and I've got a lot of experience with Kolsch. I brewed it for uh, 20 years at BJ's. Okay. It was a Kolsch. Uh, they did a very good job with theirs. So. Well, the time paid off. Nice work with this one. <laughs> yeah, I love that beer. Yeah. This is a good um, maintenance beer is what I would call it, right? Like double IPA. You're not drinking those throughout the whole football game. No. Right? Yeah, you can't taste anything after drinking enough double IPAs. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do like a Kolsch for palate cleansing, just having a beer to, to feel good. Because you're drinking a beer, yeah, and it's not as likely to get skunky in the sun uh, if you're drinking at the stadium. Okay, yeah, <laughs> but you can now. They have a beer garden. At oh, do they really? Sun Devil Stadium. Yeah. yeah. Are you guys? Or do you have your beers there? Not down in the beer garden. We do upstairs in the uh, private booths. So. Okay. Nice. 
Nice. Maybe someday, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do we got here? This is... Uh, let's see. I may have to taste it to remember. This is a good, this is a good thing. Know your, do you know your beer? Oh, this is our uh, German Pilsner. Okay. So we brewed this. We um, recently added a hop back. And we, this is the only beer we've used it uh, for, but we used whole hops in this. It's not considered a hoppy beer per se. It's still a lager. This has German malts in it, German Pilsner, which makes it a little sweeter. Um, uh, and it's balanced with the hops. We, we try not to overhop anything unless it's designed to be hoppy. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it's got a nice floral aroma from the uh, hops we use. So. It absolutely does. Like, that was the first thing I noticed. I, I know you said you're a big fan of the nose of a beer, right? I am. Yeah. Yeah, nose is so important. That's, I mean, that's the biggest part of the input to your brain. You know, it feeds your hypothalamus right there and creates mood and you immediately decide from the smell whether you're going to like it or not yeah um, I, I you know what i i'll sit there and smell beer for 10 minutes before i even drink it i'm just my wife's like just drink it i'm like hold on this is like the best part and the nose on this is great like the it, it's sometimes i i think of like a lager like a light lager in a pilsner is kind of similar as far as there's not much not not much on the nose that one has a good yeah, so the German Pilsner should have a little aroma. Uh, a Czech Pilsner would be a little different. Czech okay. Pilsner uses the um, uses the noble Zatz hops, which uh, they don't use end of the boil techniques. They use it at the beginning, so it's not supposed to be uh, so aromatic, but it is just because that type of hop gives a little cedar note at the end. But uh, the Czech Pils is less hoppy and more bitter. Okay, it's good. Another good one. I, I, know, like I, I know I'm really deep into the, my descriptions. Like, good. This is great. This one's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but every one of them, they're, they're great so far. Um, let me see. Can I see? Let me see if I can guess this one. Just as a, oh, is that a, smells like a, a Belgian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. got the West Mall yeast in it. Now, what's the difference between a Belgian and a, a Saison? Saison uh, can be a type of Belgian or French beer. Uh, yeah. So this, this is a, uh, uh, the Belgian's just the loose term describing one of the many styles, and, and most people from Belgium don't like to be categorized in a style. They're artists, so they like to just say it's beer. Uh, okay. uh, unlike the Germans, which they have their styles. Uh, this is our Beer Blanche, which is uh, a Belgian wit, uh, similar to Hoogarden and Blue Moon and those, but we use the West Mall yeast, which gives a little more of the bubble gum and pineapple notes, uh, brings out a little more clove and banana than some of the others the uh, hoogarden yeast is a great yeast it sometimes tastes like raw hot dogs Ooh, interesting uh, which people don't like to hear that but if you <laughs> I next loved time raw you, hot dogs when i was a kid yeah next time you try a hoogarden think of raw hot dogs <laughs> little vienna sausages uh, nice. similar flavors so they use coriander and uh, orange peel and the coriander is also used in hot dogs <laughs> interesting interesting i never i would never make those connections um but all right right away these first four that we've had are are great for introducing people who are maybe saying I don't really like beer, right? Yeah, there's there's something for everyone, and I, I wouldn't categorize uh, the light ones for any particular person. Sometimes the wine drinkers don't drink beer, but they'll try one of the dark ones and say, "Hey, this is okay." Mm-hmm. There's no rhyme or reason to it. Yeah. you never know. And you got to give credit to the the women of the world. They taste so much more than men do. They can hear higher frequencies, have more sensitive palates, and they're much more tolerant of flaws because they marry us men. So <laughs> it's true. They uh, they put up with our crap, but they <laughs> and you can never categorize what 
girl uh, woman would like. Some breweries have tried to do that, and they're in a lot of trouble for it. Oh, really? Yeah. Just uh, let them choose their own. Yeah. Uh, they, they know what they like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this one, um, definitely the bubble gum. You can you can taste that in there. Like right yeah. when you said that, I was. Yeah, that yeast brings it out. It's really good. Oh, yeah. So the next one is the uh, Chappelle. Ooh, nice. Same yeast. Much, much more barley. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And yeah. some candy sugar in there as well. It has a um, farm smell to it, kind of, right? It's got to be the barley, right? It kind of has that. Yeah. This one brings, because of the uh, gravity and alcohol, the, uh, the yeast ferments and brings out more of the yeast character flavors, uh, the esters. It's sweet. Uh, it's yeah, it's sweet. It's it. got some residual in there. It's got, uh, I get less bubble gum in this, but I get more of the pineapple and some of the tropical notes that that yeast can throw. So I need a palate cleanse. I do the Kolsch, right? That's a good cal- Kolsch palate Kolsch is a great cleanser. one. <laughs> Actually, yeah. the Trapel is a great one to go to right before something hoppy because okay. it's the opposite and it makes your palate reset. So the uh, hops really pop. Whereas you go from an IPA to another IPA, it's like, oh, it's kind of hoppy. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. Yeah, go back to the Trapel and then do uh, one of the hoppies, and you'll really know the flavors of the hops. Okay, that's interesting. A strategy, like a tasting strategy. You know, when it's like sushi with ginger, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah wasabi. Yeah. Ah, oh, wasabi. I, I have like one thing in the world that I do not like to eat, and it's horseradish, right? I think there's horseradish in wasabi. Yeah, yeah. If it's, not, then it's. Most of the wasabi in America, I think, is pretty much horseradish and food coloring. Okay. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why I don't like everything else. I'll eat anything, like anything, but not horseradish. It's just, ugh. yeah. Yeah. If they're giving it to you free and just smeared it on a plate, it's probably not wasabi. That stuff's expensive. Okay. All right. That's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They'll usually, you'll pay for it by the gram. Maybe next, maybe I'll try to get some real wasabi then. Maybe I'll like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, Fantastic. Love the, the, the Trapel. Uh, it's a stronger one, too. 9.3. Yeah, it's a pretty big beer. Yeah. That is uh, not one you want to drink by the uh, liter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. You probably don't get many growler fills of this, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, coming up next, you said this is your favorite, right? Is this the Hoppy Lager? This is the Hoppy Lager. This yes. is why this one is the most full, I think, right? Yes. That's why I filled it the highest, because I was going to drink this one. Okay. <laughs> nice. So yeah, the hoppy lager, it's not a real style. It's just something I wanted to brew for my own taste. And luckily there's enough people that enjoy it that I can keep brewing it. It's uh, basically we took a pale ale, which is commercially, if I got to reach in a shelf somewhere, shout out to my friends at Sierra Nevada. I like the Sierra Nevada pale ale in the cans. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I know what it's going to taste like every time. It's, I'm not looking to blow my mind and I'm not looking to be disappointed when I order it. Uh, sometimes you take chances on a lot of other beers and uh, they don't come out the way you think. So I, I love Sierra Nevada. Love those guys. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted something similar to their pale ale, but with a twist. So we do it with a lager yeast. We ferment it cold and we uh, do single hop each time. So new variety each time we brew it and we showcase the hops that are fun out there. And the great hops of uh, the world are pretty much, they're all bought out by every other brewer in town. If it's a great hop, people will contract it and it's hard to get be very difficult to um, commit to a hop that's a great hop because you got to give three years notice to get the growers to uh, buy you some as you as you get bigger or to grow you some so for this since it's one box each time i just beg 
I just call call around <laughs> and beg other brewers, can I have one box? Right. One box of this great stuff and not a problem. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So so like there's different breweries around even even just around Phoenix here that you can that they, they've got that contract. Yes. So any big brewery, as you start growing, your brand is distinct by a a hot profile. You have to contract and you need to contract enough to to, for your growth that you're projecting. But most people have too much hops. So the end of the year, you're actually doing them a favor when because they can't get into their next year's crop until they finish the previous. So call and say, hey, what do you got? I'll I'll buy some of your hops off you. And if their sales aren't doing as good as they had hoped, then they're willing to part with them. And they because they buy them in larger quantities, they also buy them cheaper than I can get them. So, okay. Uh, the community is really cool like that. All the brews, especially in Arizona, the Arizona beer community is unbelievable. I agree. Yeah. yeah. When I started this, that was like, uh, it was it was going to be craft beverage. Like I was going to do breweries, uh, local coffee, some of the wineries. Um, but as I started doing interviews with breweries, I'm like, no, this is this is where I want to be. Um, the, the community is just awesome. Um, and every conversation I had with, with, a, with a brewery, brewers owners they say the same thing they're like we, we love it it's you know um, yeah. yeah we help each other out any anytime there's a real need people can call another brewer and you never say no to someone who's in need and that's yeah. particularly in the brewing industry because we're so small you never know who your next boss is going to be mm. so you have to take care of everybody the same but we have had plenty of times where the yeast you know i pull yeast off of a uh, a batch of beer and i put it in a brink and it sits in the walk-in for a couple of days and uh, particularly our ale yeast, since we brew so much lagers, the ale yeast sits a little longer than it should, and you don't really know it until you brew with it again, and you look at it, and it's like, oh, okay, the yeast, you know, you look under the microscope, and you stain it, and you see the viability is going down, so well, let's order some new yeast for next time. Well, sometimes you brew a batch, and you put the yeast in there, and you look out of the microscope, and go, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> and you call another brewer, and you're not asking polite, you're telling them, I'm coming, I need yeast. Yeah. Bad. And they save you. Yeah. Never been turned down by another brewer. I try not to do the same. Yeah. Or try and return the favor if they need it to. Just do what you can to get them, get them through their batch. Yeah. yeah. It's one common cause, right? I mean, you guys are all trying to build up this. I mean, it's best for you. Like if you, the guys from the shop, they're like, hey, dude, we're struggling with this. You're like, dude, I'll help you out. Right? Absolutely. It's helping build everybody up because you guys would... You would refer, like, if you're talking to somebody like, dude, this place is great. We want to hit up a couple other places. You're not going to say, no, nah, this is the only one. Don't go to them. You're like, oh, dude, there's a shop right down the street. The shop's know. awesome. Yeah, I love I, the shop. I love the vibe there. Yeah, me Another too. great patio. Yes, yes, it is. And yeah. Off Mill Avenue, which has some uh, uh, appeal as well. Yeah. Some, some people like to get down here, and some people just want to get off of Mill Avenue. And yeah. That's a great place near here to yep. enjoy a little uh, uh, calmer scene. It very yeah it's like you're just going to a buddy's house yeah a buddy a buddy who really made their patio awesome it makes great beer right? yeah and that <laughs> that food truck there yeah oh, judd cummings forged. running that food truck that is as good as it gets yes makes his own cheese and yeah yeah it's good stuff yeah because you go you're you're thinking like oh food truck okay yeah i mean he's making like i think i've seen him make like sea bass and stuff and <laughs> like what what are you doing man that's awesome yeah so yeah great like, dude yeah for sure so um, what's the what's the hop in this one? This particular hop is Denali. This is the once again this is the single or the single hop uh, American hoppy lager. Lager. Yeah. So Denali gives a lot of fruity uh, tropical notes, which we're really trying to showcase those in most of the ones we brew. Uh, but yeah, this is the first time I ever used it, and I love it. It's a great. It would be a great hop to blend with other hops too. Yeah. Uh, we did one with Idaho Seven about a year ago, and that was amazing so dank and uh 
didn't have a lot of the fruity notes. It just had hop. So we started thinking, man, that would be a good blender hop. Add some fruity notes from another hop and use that. And we did that when we made our first batch of Rikon. We blended some of the different hops that we use in this beer together. That's kind of what we do. This beer only uses 16 pounds of hops out of a 44-pound box. So the leftovers get saved and we brew a double IPA or our, our Rikon, which is our unfiltered double IPA that we use the hops in. Okay. Gotcha. And the Rikon was a collaboration? Is that a collaboration? Yeah, actually. Uh, so it's kind of a sad story, not to be a downer, but our yeah. assistant brewer, Ian, passed away uh, last last spring in a motorcycle accident. So uh, he went by Icon, his initials, Ian Campbell O'Neill. Okay. Uh, and we, we, the guys at Modern Times reached out and wanted to do something with us. Uh, so we decided to, well, first we were a little apprehensive because I was overwhelmed, you know, missing my brewer and yeah. having to do it all alone but uh, after a while it, it just made sense and they were so nice uh, guys at modern times are great they just opened up their books let you there's no secrets like yeah we just want you to do a good beer so they they worked with us on a recipe and we added rye to it to be a little different you need a little protein in there to give it the haze or to keep the haze in there uh, so we added uh, rye so we called it the rycon yeah and that was a great beer and it used all the different hops that we've had from the from the different hoppy lagers up to that point. And we added a few because they demanded that we do hops. That they've been doing it a lot longer than us, so okay. we know what we're doing. Do it this way. Right. <laughs> okay. Is that one of the ones that we got here? We don't. It's okay. uh, something we're doing seasonally, and it was a big demand when we when we got it. People came in and went crazy for it. But yeah. uh, I think if we had it full-time, they may not go as crazy for it. Plus, we you start getting typecasts. There's breweries out there that they are known for their hazy IPAs, and that's awesome they do a great job of it but i'm sure the brewers would love people to know them for other things that they also grew well okay yeah so we try and keep a balance of everything and uh loggers seem to be our niche right now so yeah uh we'll bring in that so speaking of ipas in the beginning when julian recruited me he says we're not going to be brewing an ipa it's all german and belgian beers really that's what i said <laughs> <laughs> see how long that lasts like, uh, what yeah. We did it, and we had plenty of guest beers, great IPAs on tap, but there were people that would literally walk in the door, have you brewed an IPA yet? No. All right. They turn around and leave. Really? So we said, all right, let's brew one. Let's show them. I know how to make an IPA. Yeah. Show them, show them what we could do. Brewed it. Immediately our best-selling beer. Uh, we're rolling our eyes like, yeah, everyone's just going to order that now. And then when it ran out, people come back like, oh, you're out of your IPA? Walk out the door again. Oh, like, okay, we're going to make it full-time. We'll bring it back. Yeah. Best-selling beer until October. Okay. October uh, was a good year for, or a good month for uh, our light lager. Yeah. After the GABF award, it just it went from I think we had in-house sales 17 kegs a month on average, went up to 37 on our light lager, which the IPA goes about 34 kegs a month. Okay. Here, so. I was going to ask you this too. So, so with the light lager, um, with it being like on kind of uh, in the same category as a Coors Light, Miller Light, things like that. When someone comes up um, and says, "Hey, can I can I just get a Coors Light?" The, does the staff say, "Well, why don't you try the the light lager?" Yeah, get yeah. it. Do the Pepsi challenge. Just yeah. uh, offer them a taste of the light, and uh, you have to ask the bartenders how well that goes. But yeah. uh, I'm pretty sure that just it's an easy one. Yeah. If not, we can throw the card. Hey, we beat them in competition. So. Right. Do you want the first place or the ninth place? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and not to say anything bad about the big breweries, Bud Miller Coors, they've been doing it for a long time, and they brew yeah. the beer exactly the way they want it to taste. Consistency, very too, good like at it. Yeah, yeah. And there's no, no slamming them for quality. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, if anything, our, our craft beer industry, we are a wonderful industry. We have a lot of uh, future 
is bright for us because we have a lot of room to improve our quality uh, as a industry. So okay. the future is going to be really good for us when we get everybody to really dial it in. Yeah. So. You know, it's interesting you say that because, um, cause you've got like the, the beer enthusiasts that are mm-hmm. like, Oh, screw Miller, screw Budweiser, all this. But every, seems like a lot of people that I talk to that are in the, in the industry, brewers, owners, they have a little bit of a different perspective on that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, it goes back to you never know who your boss is going to be. That's true. <laughs> right. I mean, there's breweries that get bought out by Budweiser. And, yeah. You know, it's like, don't watch what you say. <laughs> right, right. Hey, this Instagram post you guys did two years ago, yeah. uh, who's responsible for that? <laughs> yeah, and you can't be a brewer forever. You know, your, your knees and your back just don't like ladders after a while. And yeah. uh, sometimes it, you never know. You might find yourself in a sales position for a large distributor. Yeah. you got to be friendly to everybody. Yeah, so. that's true. That's just a good rule in life, though, right? Yeah, that, well, that and I would say to most of the people that that just badmouth some of the brands, they they should really lighten up and think really what they really like. Uh, if there's something really bad, by all means, it's go for it. But uh, most people just think it's popular to talk about other brands. It doesn't make sense to me. It's just yeah. uh, you know, there's a brand you like, there's a brand other people like, and enjoy your brands. Right. right. Enjoy the beer that you you like, and if you're lucky enough to get it in your town, then good for you <laughs> <laughs> right right it is beer right i think people take things too serious sometimes when they do when it comes down to it um it's like there was a there was a conversation i saw going on one time on on facebook and i steer away from that but sometimes you, you get you get drawn in right um and uh just an argument about this and that buyouts and all this stuff and uh weedy from tombstone just came in and said guys we're talking about beer this let's it's not it's beer. You don't have to take yourselves too serious, yeah. right? <laughs> beer, enjoy it. Yeah. Enjoy the one that you like, and if you don't like it, don't finish it. Right. Get another one. Get another one. Someone else probably likes the one. It's yeah. No reason to convince them they're wrong. Yeah, absolutely. All right, what do we got next? So we've got, uh, this is the, let me see if I can, well, I kind of cheated. I already looked at the list, and I think they're in order. Uh, but this <laughs> actually might not be. Is this, an, is this the amber? Because it kind of smells a little hoppy for an amber. I think this is the uh, regular IPA. The hot, the house, house IPA, house IPA, H A U S house, yes, H O U S E, I like it. So this is the one recipe that does not change. It sells well for us. I've, I've always everything I've ever brewed, I've wanted to try and improve on it. Okay, but uh, this one uh, is one that has a following. This is the original. Was this the this one that you, you pitched to Julian and said original we got it. IPA? So we, um, our goal for this beer was not to brew the beer that blows everybody's minds and ends up on Instagram everywhere. It's to brew an IPA that you can drink three pints of. Yeah. Uh, most people push the boundaries of a style. Uh, we wanted to go right down the exact center of the style guidelines. Uh, you know, So we, we sit there just, we're, we're well within our range of BUs, uh, but we're not overwhelming to where you need a tongue scraper afterwards. Yeah, uh, You can smell it. There's a lot of Simcoe. We use German Magnum in the beginning. Uh, we use that in a lot of our beers because it's just good bittering hop. Uh, we use Amarillo, Simcoe, Falconer's Flight in this one. Uh, Falconer's is uh, a blend of several different hops. Uh, It's another charity hop for a gentleman named Glenn Falconer that passed away a few years back, and they created a a hop variety blend that uh, feeds his foundation so they can do scholarships and whatnot. Nice. And they typically choose some of the better hops. So being a small brewer, rather than having to buy a and open a box of all these different varieties i can buy the blend it's a little more money for the charity but it's i can keep my boxes fresher <laughs> uh, yes yeah 
It's really good. And it's one thing that you said um, before we started recording was balance. Balance is so crucial for you. Yeah. So, yeah, for me, the reason I like the hoppy lager anyway is it's not as bitter, uh, but it has the hops in the nose. And I, I think it's so important for an IPA to, for an American IPA anyway, you've got to smell it in the nose. Uh, and, of course, the bitterness. Uh, bitterness is just a feeling. It's not really a flavor so much. It's on the back of your tongue, although they've proven that not everybody feels it on the back of their tongue. But if you take uh, just purely iso-alpha acids and you put it in water and you drink it, you wouldn't smell anything. You wouldn't really taste anything, but you'd have a feeling almost like a 9-volt battery on the back of your tongue. Uh, so you start thinking about where sweetness is on your tongue, where saltiness, where sour is, and where bitterness is. It just is a feeling. Trigeminal uh, response cu- coupled with the uh, the malt profile and the hop profile that you get in your nose, and it gives you a feeling. Uh, as I said earlier, the uh, your nose, uh, the olfactory nerve is a big one. feeds right up in that hypothalamus of your brain, and it gives you a mood. I mean, you, you already made up your mind whether you like a beer most times before you taste it because you smell it. That is true. Yeah. Uh, visually, too, people most people get... Uh, their opinions from their vision of it. It looks and tastes and smells great. <laughs> yeah, we used to. We tried in the beginning. We tried doing it unfiltered. Uh, we didn't want it hazy, but we uh, we uh, ran it through a strainer just to strain out the hops, uh, and we put it on a standpipe and let the yeast settle on its own, thinking uh, the hops would be more uh, aromatic in there, and it, it wasn't as good. It it was uh, a little harsher, so we ran it through a filter. Uh, it does strip some of the flavors out, but it just makes it a more pleasant beer. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and we can get it on tap the next day. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Yes. We'll, we'll save the uh, haze for our Rikon. Okay. Nice. Yes. What's this? What do we got here? Let me, let me see. Actually, let me see if I can figure this one out. Mm, it does smell like an amber. Is that the amber? Nope. Ah, you're, you were smiling already. You're like, you're not going to be able to tell what this is. Let me, let me see. Is it on this list here? It probably, this, this is the double IPA. Oh, this is the double IPA. This is the one oh, we okay. went out of control with the, uh, <laughs> it's bigger alcohol. So you got much more malty flavor in there yeah, to balance it out. But it's, uh, this has got quite a few different hops uh, that were all used in the uh, hoppy lager. Uh, we had partial boxes. So we, we made a double IPA when we accumulated enough of them. So this one also we use an experiment. Uh, our yeast, our, our hop supplier uh, is pushing some uh, extracts, uh, bittering extracts. Okay. Read some research on uh, if you have higher alpha, which is bitterness, uh, you will inhibit your absorption of aromatics in a beer. Okay. Don't fully understand that. Uh, smarter people than me must have done the study. Uh, <laughs> and the same, the opposite. Uh, you inhibit your uh, ability to get bitterness if you have too much aromatics. They compete with each other. So we tried to brew this beer with mostly, uh, with very little bittering hops and used all the hops at the end of the boil to give the flavors and then dry hopped it. And then when it went to the uh, bright tank, we uh, we used, used some powdered hops. The new, uh, everybody's getting crazy about these lupulin hops. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we tried that as an experiment. We circulated in the tank after we carbonated, so we wouldn't lose the ar- aromatics. And then we injected this liquid, uh, it was a liquid iso alpha acid extract to give it the bitterness. Uh, tried it out. It worked. I like it, but um, I, I think natural hops is better. Yeah. Just using hops is the way to... Just straight up hops. The yeah. flower, right? It's a flower. Yeah, people yeah, use, yeah. Um, and there's 
different types of extracts. Then uh, there's nothing wrong with doing it in this method. Uh, uh, CO2 extracts is still hops, just more of the uh, vegetal matter removed. Uh, gotcha. We use T90s for most of our stuff, which is 90% of the original weight of hops compressed into a pellet. Okay. Okay, and then we got um, Mexican lager, you said? This is the Mexican amber. Mexican amber. This oh. is also gluten reduced. Okay. Uh, this is a lager. Julian wanted a, uh, I think he felt that there was a uh, demand in the market for Mexican ambers. So he had a brew it. The very first uh, Mexican amber uh, brewed was in the late 1800s, I think. It was um, uh, Maximilian was the emperor of Mexico. He was born in Austria. So uh, the American lager was already developed. And as the immigrants came in the United States, they started moving down towards Texas Hill Country and into Mexico. And that was very German and Austrian influenced uh, area down there. So they started bringing their German influence. Nowadays, most of the uh, Mexican breweries have a lot of corn syrup, so you're going to get a sweetness, but uh, that happens to a lot of big breweries. They find cheaper ways to make stuffs. Well, this is 100% uh, Barca malt from uh, Weirman Malting in Germany, which is by far my favorite malt to use. Uh, and the Barca is the original seed of the Vienna malt. So. Oh, really? Okay. And they call it Wiener there. Wiener? <laughs> we say Vienna, they say Wiener. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Vienna. Yeah, this is the Wiener beer. Actually, there was a there was a Wiener beer before, right? The hot dog one. Was that the the Trapel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, a little coriander. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then we've got. Let me see if I can uh, figure this one out here. This is. Hmm. If Julian was here, he'd have a lime in his, and it'd be in a cold mug. Oh, really? And how do you feel about that? I, well, when he first told me he wanted to do it, I, I put my foot down and said no, rolled my eyes. He, he can do what he wants. He's my boss. Yeah. Uh, there was a time a few months later, you know, we, we kind of just have an agreement that if, if the guest asks for it, we're going to let him have it. But it's kind of a lemon and a half of ice, and you don't, don't ruin a beer up front. Let, yeah. let the guests ruin their own, you know, yeah. hand him one. But he, uh, he put a uh, lime in his and had it in a cold mug, and he goes, just taste it. And I tasted it. And it was actually pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's usually right on these things when he tells me to do something. Yeah. Well, it seems like you guys have a it's a two-way street, though, right? Yeah. Because you threw out that he's like, no, I don't want IPAs. You're like, let me just try one. And We're very different in our ideas, yeah. uh, but we have respect for each other. And ultimately, he gets to make the call for whatever yeah. he does, but he, he listens to me and I listen to him, so yeah, it's a good relationship good. for business. Absolutely, yeah, because if you're both like-minded and you both want the same things, it's easy to do, but it doesn't create the bre- the best product, right? Yes. You need that that the conflict, right? The um, I don't know if that's the right word, right? Conflict in a way, good yes. conflict. Yeah, right? yeah, challenges yeah. and yeah, yeah. You, if if uh, if any one person could do everything themselves, they could do it alone. I mean, mm-hmm. so it's like judging beer at a table. The Great American Beer Fest, it's not one guy at a table. It's its uh, several people, usually seven at a table for a reason, uh, and you don't always agree. It's a yeah. good thing to have multiple opinions and then try and talk about it, discover other people's point of view, and learn from each other and make the best decision. Yeah, because the whole goal is to make the best product, right? Yep. Yeah. So Doppelbach, right? Uh, this one should be the Amber if I place them in the right order. Oh, the Amber Ale. Okay, yeah, we haven't had Amber Ale. So this is uh, got the fruity notes from being an ale, uh, a little stronger than the amber lager, and it uh, definitely has the hop finish. Because amarillo hops in there, which 
gives a nice, almost a Mandarin or Tangerine note uh, on the end. Uh, I was kind of inspired by uh, Firestone's DBA, which is a really good uh, English bitter. Uh, they use the English hops in there when we, we wanted a little bit of the American punch, but not like an IPA. So yeah, it's actually selling pretty well for us. I, I'm impressed by how this beer just chugs along, uh, yeah. guest accounts, particularly when people order our beer, they roll their eyes. Our best seller, I've always said, it's going to be IPA if you put it yeah. on. And they, the bar managers are like, uh, you know, I got a 90% of the beers I have are IPAs. Yeah. Like, I'd love to be the next one. Yeah. <laughs> now, you brew lagers and you do it at Amber, so we're definitely going to put those on. So. Uh, they want something different. They, they want, want it, and we, we yeah. can do the other stuff. So well, it seems to be where our niche is becoming. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like the way I like the way that the, the hop kind of um, kind of intercepts the, the sweetness of the amber. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of uh, malt profile in that beer. There's amber malt and... Uh, there's a caramel malt in there that uh, gives it a really a high finishing gravity uh, maltiness, but it doesn't smell malty like the next beer is a Doppelbach mm-hmm. as we cut it with that American hop. Yeah, so with with ambers, a lot of times it is it, it's too malty for me because I'm like you, I like the hops. Like I'm I'm more of like a hoppy IPA pale ale, um, and I like ambers, but sometimes it's too malty. They get too overwhelming. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. This, that, they're more susceptible dish. to uh, oxidation flavors too. They, I don't know what it is. Something about the type of malts having that much crystal malt in a beer. Uh, you really want to drink them fresh. They don't age out like some of the others. Yeah. Lagers. That's the advantage of lagers. They age really well because the H two S gas that's produced in the fermentation doesn't blow out immediately like in nails. It stays in there and. Though that is a rotten egg smell, uh, it's also an antioxidant. So as it's dissipating, it's absorbing oxygen, which is what makes beer stale. So interesting. So if you had like a, if you had a you bought a lager and you bought a pale ale and you put kept them both in your fridge, that lager is going to stay good longer. It should. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In theory, uh, some of the Germans are smarter and they package their beer young for a reason. They okay. it's not ready to drink, but they know that the export's not going to make it to the United States for. And get to the shelves for another three to four weeks sometimes. So they package it purposely that way so it will uh, have more H2S to preserve it. And that will dissipate in the next few weeks. So. Yeah. Thinking ahead and strategizing with that. Yeah. Yeah. Doppelbach. Yeah. So I love this. Six. Finally, one we brewed and we didn't have to dump. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this turned out so good. This is another Weirman malt. Just huge amounts of Weirman malt in there from Germany. Big multi. I love this beer a lot. I want to get a Schweinhaxen, big smoked pork knuckle, and eat it with this. <laughs> I don't even know that first word you said, but Schweinhaxen. I just got back from Germany. That's why <laughs> everywhere it was like, where can I find some Spetzel? Where can I find some Schweinhaxen? <laughs> what is that? Like, it's a is it a food? Uh, so yeah, um, if you go anywhere in Germany, Munich or touristy towns or country, uh, if you're going to drink a big strong beer, they're going to offer. They have Sveinoxen, it's a big roasted pig knuckle. They usually smoke it, and then they uh, will fry it so that the, the skin's still on it. So you'll get a little chicharroni you can peel off, and uh, and you're just picking through fat and gristle. And sometimes there's some really tender meat in there, but it's cooked on the bone. It's just really, I don't know. I, I wouldn't eat it every day if, I, <laughs> if it was out there, but it's I guess it's a tradition maybe i you had me at, at smoke then deep fried though like that combination i don't care what it is i'm gonna yeah. probably eat and they all yeah. do it different went to a place yeah. in berlin this last trip that did it and it was 
it looked like it was cured. So it was more of a ham on okay. the knuckle. Yeah. Uh, and you could pull the bone right out. Uh, and there was just a lot of other stuff in there. And it was, everybody does differently. Sometimes you get it over uh, sauerkraut, sometimes potatoes. Uh, my choice is always spetzel if you can get it. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's a great. And then the, of course, you can get the, uh, the schnitzel at a gas station. Really? Different than one. gas stations here. Yeah. Yeah. The Autobahn <laughs> over there is a little different. They have beer gardens. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. I got pictures from uh, filling up for gas, and uh, it's a shell station, and you walk inside expecting there to be a counter with a bunch of cigarettes and liquor, and it's a restaurant, and you pay for your gas, and they ask you what kind of beer you want. Uh, and it was Palaner, uh, pretty much had all the gas stations, and they had their little beer garden. You can sit outside, and uh, ended up ordering a uh, Wiener Schnitzel plate with Spetzel at a gas yeah. station. Nice. It was very nice. It was too cold to sit in the beer garden, but they have nice restaurants inside these. I've, uh, yeah, totally different feel in Germany than it is here. <laughs> That's what I've heard. Uh, my, my, my boy Aaron here from 8 a.m. Films, the guy who's uh, behind the camera, the visual wizard here, big fan out Germany. <laughs> he can't hear us. Germany. He said he loves Germany. <laughs> Germany is great. My, yeah. uh, my blood pressure went down. Really? A lot when I was there. I slept really good and I felt relaxed and I have bad knees, old football injury. My swelling went down in my knee. I don't know what it was. I drank a lot of beer and ate a lot of food I shouldn't have eaten. Right. It's fine, Oxen. But yeah, I felt great and I felt my knees still are fine. Usually, um, usually I have trouble going up and down the ladders, but right now I'm, I, I attribute it all to Germany. Feeling good, clicking your heels, like jumping up, clicking your heels. Yeah, relaxing. <laughs> I went with a friend who likes to drive, so ah, went nice. on the Autobahn too, which is interesting. I was I was going to say that's interesting to have a beer garden on the, the freeway that has no speed limit, right? Yeah, out in the country, there's no limit. There is yeah. in some areas, but okay. they um, just stay in the right lane if you're going there the first time. Yeah. Let the fast people pass you. They fly. like Yeah, they? and don't stay in the left lane. If you go in the left lane, it's to pass or, pass someone and get back in the right. Yeah. That's my advice I'll give people. Like, how fast do people go? Um, we, you know, the average Ford Focus and whatnot, 160 kilometers per hour. So oh, what's that about? 110. That's just... Still, though. That's, that's just cruising. Uh, you'll get passed by uh, some Audis. There's, like, usually a caravan of three Audis. That'll, yeah. Those are the fastest things I saw, and they're they're flying. I think they were consulate people. They want to know if someone's tailing them, so they go fast. Ah. Uh, there was a couple Porsches we saw that flew pretty fast, but one of them lost. It was raining, so uh, he spun out and hit the wall and got out. He was fine. He was just oh, angry. Geez. We all had to stop and wait. You drive by him. There's a German guy mad, kicking his tires, <laughs> listening to techno music, just just like you picture it. <laughs> Stereotypes it are correct. Exactly yeah. what it was. And we were driving by going, dumbass. <laughs> so that's crazy. And is it a lot of straightaways? Is that why, is that why people can do that? No, it's a uh, beautiful country. I mean, you, and giant Trees windmills all over the place, uh, yeah. but beautiful country. Uh, of course, we were going up, we were going from uh, Munich up to Berlin. So those who've done that route are familiar with it. It's just beautiful country. The Holotower region where all the hops are grown. So okay. hop fields everywhere. Uh, we stopped a lot. We went through every little town to see whatever we could see. Yeah. Went to the Hop Museum, which was kind of fun. Uh, and went to Vireman Malting on the way, which is my my accountant appreciates because yeah. saved a lot of receipts. Yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, it was a beer centric uh, trip. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it always they, is. Are they, I was going to say they're always. Know. Yeah. All my yeah. trips are involved. <laughs> I don't go places that don't have good beer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I keep going back to Germany. Yeah, that's a good choice. That's a good choice. 
All right, what do we got? What do we got here? We've got, uh, let me see if I, uh, oh, I kind of already, this is the barrel-aged uh, This is quad. the bourbon barrel-aged Belgian quad. Ooh, man, great idea to drink all of these first and then finish up with this yeah. one, right? <laughs> Ooh, this, and this was aged in uh, Four Roses. Four Roses. So they have different types of barrels and different types, well, same type of barrel, but different types of yeast. You can see them stamped on the, the barrels. One of their yeasts actually uh, smells Belgian-y. Has the plum raisin notes, so we use that for our quad. Okay, yeah, raisin, yeah, for sure. That's really good. Yeah, and it's the same yeast as in the Tripel and the Beer Blanche, but uh, throws totally different flavors, so that you get more dark fruits out of the at this gravity. Very, very strong, uh, and it picks up the tannins from the bourbon barrels. We'll try it. You guys can share that one. That is the barrel aged quad. I just gave it to them. Yeah. <laughs> I gave it to them because I'm like, oh, you know what? I need to. It's delicious, but. It's good. That's our yeah. most expensive beer. Uh, yeah. It, if we were to sell it in the market, it's a $540 keg. Really? That's what we charge wow. our own restaurant for okay. the beer. It's, you figure the, the first use in a, a premium barrel, uh, aging it, and uh, the loss you have, of course, the amount that us brewers drink before we have a final yield and all that, it adds up. Yeah. Cost on that beer goes way up to make. Yeah. Yeah. So it's great. Like that's, that's strong. Like that's, you're not drinking six of those. You shouldn't. Yeah. And that's a hard beer to pair with food. That just, that's a meal in itself. Right. Kind just of dessert, a, I guess. Like yeah. Happy, dessert's yeah. great. Or just, yeah. um, between something, you know, if you're right, you can do it with a big, rich, uh, saucy pork dish maybe but uh, there's yeah. probably better choices right <laughs> right <laughs> and so we're going to finish up with the good old american stout yeah american stout to rinse all that strong quad down <laughs> so why why specifically an american stout well we we kind of um play with our stouts uh it's uh, one of the beers that we don't necessarily have to create a following it's just people want a stout uh, we've done Everything from an English porter to uh, we did a maple milk stout. We recently had a maple bacon porter on. Uh, we've done a few things, but the American plant, we also do an imperial stout that we age in the barrels as well. Uh, that'll be available uh, uh, probably in about two months. Uh, this is just a plain old West Coast stout. It's got a little more hop presence and... Uh, uh, just balanced with alcohol and roast, and we brewed a batch, and it sold well for a stout, and we decided let's keep brewing it for a while. Mm-hmm. We have a pilot system that we can do all the fun stuff on, too, So, which oh, we did the nice. maple bacon. That's a risky risky beer to put on a uh, big batch. Maple bacon? Yeah, we had the guys at Hungry Monk uh, came up. They wanted to do bacon night. They do they pair food with different beers. and Okay. We invited them up to sign a beer, and they, we used cherry wood smoke malt and Vermont maple syrup and did a porter. And wow. it was originally supposed to be not a big, robust porter, but I, uh, I had my scale set for kilograms instead of pounds when I weighed them all out. <laughs> yep, next day we discovered that. I kept going, man, this is darker than I thought, and yeah. it's more smoky. Turned out to be okay. Just <laughs> more of a robust. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And you could distinctly smell like or taste like the bacon. and. Yeah, so we we did not use any bacon, though we uh, we were thinking about starting that rumor just to uh, see how many vegans would show up and, yeah. and uh, get irritated with us. Yeah. But <laughs> we did not use bacon in that beer. We just used flavors that bacon are associated with. Okay. So the All maple right. and the smoked malt. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. The stout's great, too, because this is, like, I think sometimes people get too carried away 
uh, with the stouts. Like they're too like um, syrupy, I guess you could say. Like there's just the- especially nowadays, um, people are doing sugary ones. Uh, you put a lot of brown sugar in them to get your uh, initial gravity up and the alcohol up. Uh, people like that. It's fine uh, yeah. if you want to do it. But yeah, a lot of them are going that trend where they're really sweet lately. Yeah, it's just barley, barley roasted barley, regular barley, and there's uh, uh, a little bit of uh, unmalted stuff in there for body yeah it's good stuff man nice job on all these beers thank you definitely there everything is is your goal you said is uh or something that's important to you is that balance every one of them perfect that's, balance yeah that's our goal yeah. we want people to drink three pints yeah. and not just drink one and go wow what else you got you know if you like it you should be able to drink three pints before you're satisfied yeah if you like a, you feel like an ipa and you get the house ipa like all right yeah that's a great ipa like that's a solid yeah all of them are yeah and i like for me i like the fact that you um are more of a hoppy person too Mm -hmm. so you put hops into things like the like the lager like the the um amber to kind of cut that sweetness a little bit i like that yeah and different types of hops do different things you can create fruity beers without adding fruit these days they've they've designed hops in germany that taste like uh, mandarins they have some that taste like melons uh Especially in America, we've had lemon, lemon drop is a interesting hop that is kind of a lemon custard note. Um, I try and use them in moderation because I'm not trying to make wine right. or <laughs> wine coolers, but uh, <laughs> right. they're fun. People do it, and they uh, you know, everybody comes out of the woodwork to taste it, and they go, "Oh my god, it totally tastes like mandarins." Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a goal. Right. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Yeah. So, do you guys have uh, plans for? Um, or what do you have plans for? Like, is there any anything on the on the horizon for the next year, couple years? Yeah, we're going to max the production facility out here pretty quick. We don't have a salesperson yet, uh, and we certainly need help. Uh, but we almost don't need a salesperson; more of just an ambassador to help us market our brand. I mm-hmm. think as things go, because uh, the beer is selling itself faster yeah. than we have people that can produce it right now. So. We have a few tanks available. If we add more help in the brewery, we can uh, get a little more beer out. But with the trend towards loggers that we're having, they're, they're spending more time in the tanks. I think uh, we're looking at another brewery at some point. We just have to figure out what the best approach is. Okay. Especially right now, there's so many great breweries in Arizona. Great breweries. And, uh, and there's room for more. There's always room for more. But uh, you know, at some point, we, you know, we used to say, hey, we're just converting the macro brew drinker into craft beer uh we're taken away from wine and we're taken away from this but at some point we're going to be taken away from each other and mm-hmm. so we all have to be cautious of our expansions uh you know having your own tasting room is so important for uh any brewery right now and you got to get a lot of your profits or a lot of your revenue needs to come from your retail sales not your wholesale otherwise you're going to be competing in other markets further away against local great craft beers that are local. So you're going to be bouncing other people off of taps to get your taps in. Yeah, a lot yeah. of great, a lot of great breweries are successful with that model, but uh, you have to employ a lot of people to sell it. If you do it, and gotcha. yeah, you're competing against local when you won't be. If you're a big brewery, you're in another market. You're yeah. not the local brand anymore. Yeah. So I think my for me, my vision is to stay local as we expand, st- expand wherever we go with a brewery mm-hmm. and a uh, tasting room where we can show people our culture and uh, and work well with the other breweries in that community and be the local brewery wherever we're at. Yeah, interesting. So meaning like 
like right here, this is a restaurant and a brewery. You're thinking of production, like brewery, production facility, tasting room, beer focused. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We could sure use some production help. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, it's tough too. You, know, you start thinking about uh, quality. You know, you go to some of the other breweries that are bigger, may not be selling as much because, uh, well, for one reason or another, they may have some capacity available. But uh, will the beer taste the same? You know, we have that unique brew house that can do lagers. We have a mash mixer, and not everybody has that ability. So yeah, and our yeast strains, the shape of our fermenters, creates different flavors. So that'll be our challenge. Yeah, we don't know the answer yet, but yeah. uh, <laughs> I sure like uh, when I come here at night and see a line to get in. Yeah, that's been fun. Yeah, <laughs> I saw sure. that for the first time the other night. Yeah, nice. Uh, left Thursday night, and uh, there was a line out the door of people trying to check in to yeah. get into the place. Uh, it was a large party, and they were checking in because I think they had prepaid for a lot of food and stuff. So they're, okay. but it was really cool to see the place so packed and, yeah, so many people with smiles on their faces is something I enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, especially when they like you can kind of sneak around and like look at people when they drink. Like, wow, yeah, there we go. Right yeah. there, thumbs up. Yeah, that felt good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, any plans for like uh, canning, bottling, anything like that? Yeah. So uh, cans seem to be the natural choice everybody's reaching for these days. Uh, it's weird here. Here in the U.S., cans seem to be more environmentally friendly. Uh, you're not using uh, as much fuel to get the cans delivered. Uh, they're lighter than glass. Uh, they can be recycled like glass is recycled here. Uh, in Germany, it's very different. Cans are not accepted. Uh, really? Yeah, it's a struggle if you're selling cans over there, and they because they really do recycle glass. They don't. Okay. They don't melt it down. They reuse them. Every brewery that they all use the same type of glass, and it's very thick. And they they go through a machine that cleans it fills it and x-rays the glass to make sure there's no cracks and they reject uh, bad stuff, which goes eventually back to recycling. But yeah, yeah Germany's recycling program is a little more advanced than ours. So like they, overall, they, actually, right? they actually reuse it. Yeah. yeah. Everything. Yeah. They're, they're far ahead. So I think there's still something to be said for glass too. The, the flavor uh, of glass is my opinion. Uh, I know a lot of people wouldn't agree with me, but glass I think is better for beer. However, the, the cap on a glass bottle is not as good as the can that seal the can yeah. seal and the, the cans have a, a lining paraphenolic coating which is similar to glass uh there's some challenges with cans as well but uh that seal is superior to uh the seal on a bottle so okay yeah um, especially for hoppy beers yeah. uh that seal typically will absorb uh, hop flavors and scrub it out of your beer interesting ah. yeah they make different seals for different different things if you want your beer to be served fresh there's definitely a seal that is better than the typical seal that makes your beer last longer because it absorbs oxygen. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, weird stuff. And then they got the, remember they tried the PET bottles? What was that? Like plastic water bottles for beer. Oh, yeah, they remember did. Remember there was like a football game where they pelted the ref with uh, beer? Oh, yeah, they so did, they, yeah. So uh, they, they went into these plastic bottles. They're safer and they just float to the ground. Yeah. Uh, I feel that was like a Cleveland Browns game or something like that. Yeah, it seems like all that shit goes down to yeah. I mean, people get that way. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so the, the PET has an interesting property too. If it's um, if it's recyclable, then it is not very good for beer. It yeah. will exchange oxygen. Uh, mm. But if it's if they put something in there that prevents that, then it's not recyclable and it becomes pointless because plastic's horrible for our environment. So yeah. I think a lot of people are steering away from that. Yeah. Interesting. 
So the plans, the bottle, can, something like that is in the works, just figuring out the details. Of yeah, it. there's yeah, no yeah. room. You have to buy all the cans. Yeah, that's true. We uh, sure. we have no room in this facility to keep the cans safe from everybody's greasy hands. And yeah. <laughs> they don't get really, they get rinsed before they're filled. So yeah. they come from the factory kind of on a pallet in a way that they're not going to get a lot in them. But when you have them out in the middle of a restaurant, it's not very good. So we'd, uh, yeah, we probably have to get a second facility and plan for cans or we'd have to do another remodel here and take away more space to put a canning room yeah yeah we whatever you guys are doing right now it's working so uh, it seems to be good for us keep that rolling man keep that rolling doc thanks for joining me man this has been a great conversation thank you this has been great yeah i've learned a lot learned probably more and yeah nice stuff good thanks buddy appreciate it next time we'll get jillian julian in on this right yeah he and you won't be able to get him to stop talking he is really good on a microphone <laughs> all right all right good <laughs> Good. All right. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening to the show and for your support of the craft beer scene here in Arizona. Our goal is to put Arizona beer on the map and we need your help. So help us spread the word. Tell someone you know, take a listen, watch the videos on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. So you get notifications right away and you get new material. So in the meantime, always remember, stay awesome.